Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. It's Punk Rock Elite Podcast back again. I'm with Red Redmond today. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. I'm at French, the other one off of it. Well, it's that time of year again. Christmas has come early because Slammy D. Oh, yeah. S Dunks. S Dunks 7. S Dunks 7. Ain't no party like an S Dunks party. <laughs> Have announced their lineup for Hatfield and Leeds. And and we have announced that we are officially old. <laughs> I mean, they did the announcing for us, but that's okay because uh, <laughs> I slept funny and therefore can't move my shoulders. No, that isn't actually true, but it could be true. We are very, very old because I looked through, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. I think it, this was announced yesterday, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah I believe so. Yeah. So this is... About a, this is a less than twenty-four hour long time we've had to sit with the news of the Slam Dunk Music Festival. Um, the closest the UK comes to punk. No, that's not. That's <laughs> maybe an excess. No, there isn't. We, we've got Manchester Punk Festival for for our generation. That's fine. And, but and I was about to say, you know, there's also Rebellion, and I wonder we should do a comparison when the lineup for Rebellion comes out. I mean, I, I don't know. It may already be out, but like. Would we rather go to Slammy D or Rebellion? I think that'd be an interesting question for us because I think we're right in the middle of those two demographics. Uh, well, the lineup, early confirmation of 2024 at Rebellion. I've got that up. Mm-hmm. Oh. So even that it has piqued my interest more than Slam Dunk. That's that straight... I, I was I I thought the same. Just happen. a cursory glance has led me to believe that. Let but me we'll... get this up as well. They've got um... it in a very irritating list that means you can't have them all on screen. Oh, at once. they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And there's a few, you know, there's a few ones that we wouldn't want to go and see. Oh yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> but oh, the thing wow. is, is that I know I don't want to see them, whereas I don't know if I want to see most of Slam Dunk's lineup or not because I'm so out of touch. <clears throat> yeah, no, some of this is actually pretty good. Yeah, Strung Out uh, uh, jumped out at me. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's it. interesting. Well, the Mefs. Yeah, the Mefs are Mefs are a prime rebellion. Sulfur Jets. Uh, anyway, sorry. Let, conflict. Conflict. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hostile yeah, well, creatures. Well, well, let's it. We'll do. We'll do. Let's have a look at Slam Dunk here because yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because there's basically one stage that was designed to have us. Basically, they want the children to leave their parents in <laughs> one tent to grumble with the other olds while they <laughs> run off and watch bands like We the Kings. Who I've never heard of. No, and, sh- and and Slam Dunk's always been like that for me. Like, there's always been, mm. you know, like the side stage where I spend all of my day. Like, previously, it has been the Pumpkin Droblick stage. Um, yes. Headlined by No Effects and booked by No Effects. So I've spent a lot of time there. The problem with that stage is um, post Pumpkin Droblick stage. So, so now they sort of like book a stage that is adjacent to that, but it isn't yeah. called the Pumpkin Droblick stage and it doesn't really feature. Um, 
um, majoritively fat rep acts. But the problem with that stage now is that it's become a little bit of a low-key scar stage. Right. And I like some of the scar, you know, a big Mad Caddies fan. Sure. um, The lead singer's politics aside. (laughs) Uh, and I believe they're returning for Slam Dunk. Um, they are. I mean, the, the, that's the thing is that we've got um, what looks like four stages. Mm, yeah. One of which is aimed at people like us. But there's, I mean, I have heard of most of the bands on the, uh, like, and, and these are the only ones that have been announced yet. There's still yes, plenty more to come. So this is like the preliminary lineup. So, yeah. So you've got Yumi at six, All American Rejects, Boys Like Girls, We the Kings, and is it Head Automatica or Automatia? Oh, Automatica. Automatica. That's an okay. interesting booking. Yes. Well, it's uh, Daryl from um, Glassjaw, isn't it? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, would have loved to have seen Glassjaw on there, but maybe they're a bit too hardcore for Slammy D. They have played some stuff recently, haven't they? Glassjaw, have they like headline stage so. download or something? I saw them. They did a they did a tour. They toured the UK maybe ten or twelve years ago, because I saw them in Manchester. Were uh, pulled apart by horses, supported them, and uh, you know how the singer was like really straight edge. Yeah, he's pulled a bit of a fat mic. Uh, in that he started doing drugs and now all of his in-between song talk was about how much he liked drugs. Fair. It was, you know, it was fine. They were good though, but um, I really love that Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Silence. That album I really, really like. I mean, the lyrics are super, super adolescent-y, pretty misogynist in their own way. But luckily, they're mainly screamed, so you can't hear them properly. But but, uh, I understand he was hurting, which doesn't excuse it, but the music's fucking stunning. Uh, Then they've got I Prevail, Funeral for a Friend, Asking Alexandria, and Set It Off. Sure. I mean, and, and all of these names, apart from We the Kings and I Prevail... I'm sort of very comfortable that I've heard and would understand in context what they were. That shifts very much when we get to Water Parks Playae, P-A-L-A-Y-E, Playa Royale, Pale Waves, Bob Villain, who I fucking love. Yeah, Bob Villain's great. Like that's oh. the only like is it is that on the main stage? I don't know. This looks like it might be on like the second stage. Oh, sure. they're co- they're color coded in the in the poster. So there's like two red um uh two with sort of red borders one uh, two with sort of yellowy borders and one with blue borders so um rory don't know who that is and RTO. oh i know rory's like big on tiktok oh well i mean that you wouldn't enjoy what rory fair enough thank you <laughs> i'll uh, i'll tick that off the list already um uh, the Wonder Years, who I, I've heard of, uh, yeah. Mom Jeans, who I think are a fat band. Oh, okay. Or maybe they're Epitaph. But anyway, uh, yeah, and there's uh, LS Dunes, but they uh, but they have uh, done their logo, so it looks like US Bombs, ah. which is funny. La Dispuerte, uh, One Step Closer. Uh, and then we get to the stage designed for us, uh-huh. 
where we get the Interrupters, Goldfinger, Pennywise, Bouncing Souls, the Selector, the Skints, and Mad Caddies. It's still, it's so, oh man. Like, I mean, that, the, that's... the thing is, the bands that I want to see there, I have yeah. seen. Yes. I mean, the and... thing is, that's four and a half Scar bands. Exactly, right? And then Pennywise in the middle. So, I mean, if we're calling Goldfinger halfway with, you know, their Scar punk. Yeah, same as Interrupters, I'd say. Oh, well, maybe. All right, then. In that case, we'll call it four in total. I always think of the Interrupters as being more Scar, but... I mean, you've got the Selector. You've got Scar royalty in there. That's uh, not to be sniffed at. No, not at all. And Hey, I, I've, um, I saw the Selector earlier this year. They supported Blur at Wembley, yes. and they were incredible. They're great. I, I don't really see why they're on that lineup. Like, no, and, and it they is... They would like... make more sense at Rebellion. Yes, I mean... Mainly because I saw a thing the other day saying Pauline Black of the Selector turned seventy. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's who they're giving us. It, it's look, and and no, and she's great. I, mean, like, I, I really do think she's wonderful. But... I, I don't want this to be a comment on her age at all because it, no, it, no, it really is. Like, I mean, I saw her perform earlier this year. She's really, really fucking great. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm not sure if 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 she appeals to the audience that is going to be at that stage for those other bands. I think it's a very, very strange addition. Um. It, when, it when is. she would fit so, so many other places. I mean, like she hmm. could, she could be a. They could headline Manchester Punk Festival. I think. Uh, they could headline one of the venues, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not pointing out her age, um, uh, suggesting she shouldn't be doing anything or, or anything like that, isn't it? it? It's just, it's just a sort of a shade. It's a generation or or three earlier, yeah, than the main aim of this stage so far yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i was trying to say she's a couple decades out of the 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 whole vibe yeah i mean she's 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 original two-tone you know she's 77 78 era you know uh that kind of thing i mean they're probably going to add more but it's also it's not the most um it's not the most inspiring lineup no, I, I think it's quite weak. You know what, though, I, I will um, I will reserve my entire judgment until I talk to a couple of people at uh, Leadmill where I work because there are some like um, uh, younger people, you know, like some of the interns and stuff who yeah. are very much the core audience of this. And some I, of the people from the work crash. Yeah, <laughs> and I hope that it really works for them. I hope it's been a good announcement for like the core demographic of Slam Dunk fans. Yeah, I mean to be honest. A huge number, a hu- way more people have been in, uh, confirmed for Rebellion. Mm. Also, keep in mind that Rebellion, I mean, it says here, 1st to the 4th of August. So it's already five days long. Oh, wow. Compared to the one day of Slam Dunk. So they can't fit in as much stuff, to be fair, to Slam Dunk. Yeah, sure. Um... Uh, so that 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 will have an impact in that they're going to have to be really, really restricted on whom they uh whom they approach so you know with rebellion and i assume i mean i don't recall rebellion being a five-day thing no i i mean i i think i've known it to be three days but not uh maybe not they've four. got sort of a, like an because they do right at the end they do have like acoustic sets for like barstool preachers and johnny moped people are doing acoustic sets millie manders as well and they're also doing full electric sets previously yeah. so it might be that they have a day before and a day after the main festival of slightly lower key or you know 
that that kind of thing going on, which is yeah. which is still great, but it does mean that they've got the option to put on way more bands. But equally, those do look a lot more exciting. I mean, just to sort of, I mean, Rebellion, you've got The Stranglers, Coxsparrow, Sham 69, Cockney Rejects, UK Subs, as you know, uh, League, yeah. uh, GBH, Conflict, The Sweet. Oh, fuck, I didn't notice that. The Sweet, brilliant. The Sweet, of all <laughs> fucking things. King Kurt, you know, like, you know, I mean... I I get I get the irony of being more excited about the old stuff than the new stuff, but you know they're they're really packing him in uh, here, you know, and yeah, yeah, it looks it looks all good, you know. I mean, yeah, they've not just... quite got the um, uh, many big American bands confirmed yet. I know in the past we've had things yeah. like uh, uh, the Descendants have played it recently, and Bad Religion, and. Well, we've got strung out. Yes, so, we do. Yeah, that, that's so a that's good point. one of the one of the the big Cali boxes ticked. But, Strange that there's you know because I, I don't see many other bands that I usually see strung out alongside. No, who knows? Maybe they maybe they had some European dates at the same time, and mm, yeah, that's always possible. Uh, but then you know the, again, this is. This is the the early confirmations. Yes. So, you know, there'll be there'll be more, and like I say, they've got, you know, f- five times the amount of time to play with as Slam Dunk. So, Slam Dunk probably won't have that many more, unless no, this yeah. is the full lineup. <clears throat> Surely not. Yeah, I think there's room for a few more. There's room for a there's room for a sprinkling more. So let us know what you think. If you're in the UK, uh, which would you rather be going to? Which do you tend to go to? Um, which one do you lean more towards? Uh, Punkrockerleakedpodcast at gmail dot com. And remember, Manchester Punk Festival is also on sale. We would recommend you go to that one. Yeah, I mean we. Basically, yeah, we would recommend that. In fact, there's a little bit of. Uh, I mean, yeah, because you've got. Uh, because it's nice to go and see bands your own age. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, not a lot of pop punk at any of them because uh, they much prefer audiences way below their age. I can't believe I said that in the in the week that Blink One Eight Two been releasing all them songs about being in love with each other. <laughs> oh, I'm so insensitive. Um, but uh, you know, th- I mean. Uh, we, a little bit of no effects news. Fat Mike was recently at the uh, When We Were Young uh, festival. Oh, was he? He was. Yeah, he was well, there. That's in, att- in New York. And that's in sorry, Vegas, isn't it? Yes, so, yes. He was there sense. in attendance, um, talking about how everyone smashed it. Um, picture of him and Mark Hoppus looking as if they're pleased to be next to one another, which is very nice. Oh. And uh, some forty-one popped into the punk rock museum to play linoleum, and Mike sang. That's really cool. Yeah, you can find that on Insta um, and various places. Lots and lots of different people. In fact, uh, Stu uh, from Face Down was there. Was in Vegas for um, when we were young. Oh, cool! And was at that particular performance at the punk rock museum, and uh, one of the many cell phone mobile phone videoed uh clips of it available online is his so oh, cool. because and what's brilliant is that all of the uh no, no one was talking about because they actually sound pretty good some 41 really really tight mike pretty sounding tight band, pretty yeah. good like they're all enjoying themselves hugely 
And because they can't slag off the performance, load of old boring. So going, oh, everyone's just looking at it and filming it with their phones instead of like doing a pit. It's a museum, mate. Get over it. It's like just half two in the afternoon. Just archiving the museum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a museum. It's like the most appropriate thing to do in a museum. Stop slam dancing. This belongs in a museum. This belongs in a museum. So, yeah, everyone was being Indiana Jones. So, yeah, it was pretty good. What have you been up to, by the way? Uh, I've been booking the comedy stage for Manchester Punk Festival. Oh, yes, you have. And I'm on is, that. You are. You are very much on that. Uh, yep. Main support on the Saturday. Um, we, I've, I've booked the headliner that shall follow you. Amazing. I'll find out who that is when we stop recording. Yeah, secret. Secret. But, uh, good just, look, look, you, you, I mean, you, all the listeners know just how entertaining i am imagine the person who can follow me Whoa. um <laughs> that's my uh that's my promotion there all done uh yeah that's great i'm very very pleased to hear that because uh it's always a wonderful thing and we'll both be are you going to be there for the whole weekend i'm going to try to be yes i'm pretty um, confident yeah. i'll be there for the whole weekend i may even find an airbnb Ooh. to uh, cut down on the old drivings, uh, which is an exciting thing to consider. So, yeah, we're going to be... Uh, and there'll be some... I think there's some sort of punk rock elite thing will happen on one of the days, I'm sure. Yes, maybe. Yeah, I, I need to... We'll be doing again. something, yeah. Yeah. Um, even if it is... Just we will be in the same room at the same time and you can turn up and say hello <laughs> if that fits your schedule. But yeah. we're going to aim for it to be baseline that and maybe something a shade more structured and interesting if um, time and scheduling allows. My campaign to have it renamed the Punk Rock Elite Comedy Stage um, has uh, to this point failed. But, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not giving up that fight quite so easy so we'll 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 find out how that goes but yes that's good i um i've bitten the bullet and announced my um two appearances at upcoming comedy festivals oh yes i'm gonna be at um leicester comedy festival on the 24th of february yeah and glasgow comedy festival on the I think it might be the 24th of march i think i've managed to do 224s lovely so if you come and see it in leicester and you think i wonder what that would show would be like one month better <laughs> come and see me in glasgow afterwards or just go to the one nearest you but uh, yeah, it's called poser you can find it on the you can just search for it if you just search for eddie french poser leicester eddie french poser glasgow the pages will come up um the leicester one is free uh, with donations at the end, if you felt it was worth more than nothing. The Glasgow one is, I think, £5 because of the company I got the venue through. So I didn't decide, I, 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 I would have been happy having both of them free entry, but Glasgow is only a fiver. And um, that's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's on Socky Hall Street uh, in the bustling heart of of the best Scottish city. Oh. Depending on your opinion on Scottish cities, of course. Ha ha, I've got out of that one. So, uh, yep, those two. So now I just need to uh, make sure the show is good. That's <laughs> the easy bit, right, guys? Anyway, it's admin that's hard. 
three of them today, right? Absolutely, three of them today. So yeah, we're um, we've been doing some big chunky chunky boys of the full albums recently, and this week we are doing uh, the Koki the Clown EP, not to be confused with the Koki the Clown album, which mm-hmm. is a, a sort of a solo album by Mike. This is the No Effects EP, uh, the Split with the Spits. Yep, easy for you to say, and the heart the no effects ep which is all hardcore covers so we talk about those for a while we do indeed i can't remember what we said because it was a while ago but uh i'm sure it was insightful and scintillating so we'll see you on the outro see you there three eps for you three eps for one three eps for one that's what we're doing today three eps it is a little bit of a car boot sale this episode isn't it it is, and it is also a reasonably wide variety of what no effects have to offer. Mm, yeah. Without any scar. That's true, isn't it? This is a scarless episode. It is. I mean, to be honest, no effects haven't really released any scar recently. Mm. They've done little bits of sort of cod reggae, but not scar. I mean, they've never gone back to the, uh, the scarry heyday of slat fats for example yeah yeah but um but little bits of of sort of more reggae inspired things they've not done the sort of super fast stuff but a little more chilled stuff don't count on me the little <clears throat> sort of code a bit on that anyway i think talk- oh, I, I think mike's probably got tired of because whenever they did scar didn't wouldn't they get like other people in to play the guitar and stuff because in some cases yes uh yes in some of the uh, whenever it's really good yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh maybe that was that or maybe uh maybe he just he just wasn't inspired to make that sound he i mean as we'll see today when we get to around 2010 2011 mike's views or not not his view his his focus seems to go backwards yeah and go back past the 90s back to the 80s i think he was looking for somewhere comfortable and Mm. i have my theories as to why but we'll get to those in due time so first thing we're looking at is koki the clown which was released uh the end of 2009 yeah, so only like what, like, like kind of like six months after Coaster. Yes, well, it was. Uh, I think they were um, they were all written and recorded during the Coaster sessions. So yes, any of these songs could have appeared on Coaster. And, and I understand why they are on this record and not Coaster because I, I don't think these fit. They, these would fit on Coaster really. No, I mean, um, we've got an acoustic version of a song that was on Coaster. Yeah, and and to be fair, I think that's potentially... If I did have to add one of these tracks to Coaster, I think the acoustic version of My Orphan Year to close off the album would have been quite nice. It is is a very affecting version. I remember when, Mm. around the time Coaster came out, there was a video of Mike singing that version of it. Oh, uh, cool. With just the guitar... I imagine you can find it on YouTube very, very easily. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, shit, this is really good. But that was... Um, so, but because my orphan year... So this was 
So it was recorded between November 2008 and February 2009. And then mm-hmm. they clearly thought, well, these songs are good, but we'll uh, we'll keep them for something else. And then just went, I'll tell you what, we'll put them, put them out as a separate. They The CD was Koki the Clown. And then there was uh, two seven inches, Koki the Clown seven inch, which was Koki the Clown, Codependence Day and Straight Out of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then the My Orphan Year 7-inch, which was the acoustic version of My Orphan Year and Fermented and Flailing. Yeah. So, pretty good um, uh, for them as like 7 inches. So, yeah, what were your general impressions of this this EP? Um, I think of the albums we're talking about today, I do think this is... This is my favourite. This is my favourite EP that we're looking at today. Uh, I think no it's got spoilers, some... but I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got some really, really strong moments, and um, yeah, the uh, you know, I, I think Koki the Clown, My Orphan Year, and like the other three are good. Like they're all they're all like decent little album tracks that yeah. um, I wouldn't be annoyed if they appeared on any, any uh, No Effects album, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think Koki the Clowns are really interesting place to start i think that it's um you know because I, I feel like we have a lot of talk about like mike's drug use but like rarely do we specifically go into like his cocaine use yes cocaine is a divisive drug absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think that what I quite like about this opening track is that it isn't from a perspective of like, how great is cocaine? It's actually from a perspective of like, how much of an asshole do you become on cocaine? And the answer is uh, a huge amount. It's a, it, Do you know what? And it's not often I'll do this. There's a really great Bill Cosby routine from a long time ago. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. <laughs> and it's my favorite joke about cocaine, or one of. Uh, or sort of like little short bits, uh, which was, um, should I do the voice? No. Yeah. Do I ask the man? What's it? No. Um, so it's like, he's, he, <laughs> so I saw someone doing cocaine and I asked them, what's, what's the appeal of doing that? And he said, oh, well, the thing is, is cocaine just enhances your personality. And I said, oh, okay, but what if you're already an asshole? Yeah. <laughs> and it's which brilliant. Bill Cosby yeah. is. Uh, and uh, do you know what? Bill Cosby didn't even need cocaine to reach the levels of arseholery that will be spoken about for many years to come. No, he's he's stuck to other substances, sadly. Yes, but uh, do you know what? He did not imbibe his own prescriptions, <laughs> Dr. Cosby. Um, physician, heal thyself. So, um, yes, this is, I mean, I think that, yeah, the cocaine thing is the one that I've always sort of thought, Cocaine is a bit rock starry, but I think a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say they use cocaine because if you do some cocaine, it means you can carry on drinking. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sort of gives you, it, it, it takes away any of that fatigue you get from from being drunk or what have you. Um, sure, fine. Uh, how about don't be a fanny with booze? Ever thought of that? Anyway. I actually, um, I, I kind of found out that I had ADHD through through cocaine so, lots of people do actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or vitamins so if you're uh and and i don't know if this ever happens to listeners but if you've ever taken like like i've probably had cocaine like five times i've never really like bought it but it's you know every now and then it's around and i'll have some 
And I have never, ever, ever, ever felt any effects from cocaine. And I, I did a little bit of research and Google was like, yeah, you've got ADHD. It's basically <laughs> like it for people with ADHD, it kind of just like, it doesn't really do anything because you're already up at that level. It's like um, speed can sometimes just level out people on ADHD. And it yeah. is why amphetamines is just ADHD medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're microdosing <laughs> speed is basically what it is. Um, it's, yeah, that, that, I mean, I know, um, yeah, I've, I've spoken to people who said, uh, oh, I tried speed once and I was just sort of walking around normally. It was like, um, yeah. Like Quicksilver in uh, X Men First Class. Yeah. First Class? Yeah. Um, just like that, just that scene where he's just wandering around, tasting bits of food in the air, moving. I think around. it's um, Days of Future Past, actually. Days of Future Past. It is. Yes, you're absolutely right. But se- um, same, same universe. Same. It universe. is. So it's the sequel, isn't it? But yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. Uh, so yes. Anyway, sorry. Side sidetracks here, but yes, with the uh, yeah with Koki the clown. It's uh, he rhymes flower the plant with flower the ground wheat, which makes my eye twitch a little bit. But I mean, the rhyme scheme in Koki the Clown is all over the place. Like they're not really trying to rhyme much with anything. No, no, no. This is true. This is true. But yeah. <laughs> so it sort of talks about it's this, um, and I think I think this is a real almost sort of semi-desperate display of self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of the track um, I Don't Like Me Anymore on First Ditch Effort, just sort of like a song yes. about how much of an idiot you are. Yeah, and I think that this... I think this does a lot better job of portraying the state of the man than, say creeping out sarah yes which maybe gets in its own way a little bit um of of the point um but they're they're cut from the same cloth i think they they are mm-hmm. um i'm really you know the, the sort of the drug use is pointing towards dependency in certain areas of his life yeah, absolutely. Is also, what I'm getting. Am I right in thinking um, this song had a music video, which isn't usual for No Effects, but I remember the Koki the Clown music video. Yes, it's got a lot of him walking around doing that with the uh, the powder coming out of the flower at people, stuff like yeah. that. And he's sort of wandering around looking sort of dejected and sad, sort of trying to juggle pathetically and stuff like that. And it I felt think, very like jackass era of uh, media. It sort of was, but I think it was. I think the idea was that he was supposed to be looking pathetic. Yeah, everything he did was sort of shambolic. Nothing. He didn't try to do anything well. He tried to make the thing go badly. Whatever it was he was doing, it was a card trick or a juggling or whatever. And I, and I think it's. I think it's this one of those moments where. If you've read the Sandman comics, yes, I have. Yeah, you know the bit where Delirium uh, has to be serious about something, and both her eyes shift to being the same color, mm-hmm. and she's no longer like sort of manic pixie dream girlish. 
and it like causes her severe agony to talk sort of straight up and normal it it reminds me of those moments where he's like look i do know what you think of me i am aware of all the <laughs> things people are saying i'm not stupid yeah like, i know you're happy to knock around with me because i might sign your band for an album or i might get you on this tour or um, there'll be some credibility of being associated with me but i know you all think i'm quite sort of a sad old man doing young people drugs and stuff like that you know yeah definitely i I mean i feel like this ep it's kind of like a footnote in like the the annals of no effects like Hmm. there's some really like interesting you know you get like little um tidbits of of things about the band that they wouldn't necessarily put on their other albums, you know, like straight out of Massachusetts is obviously about him, him growing up. And mm. I don't know, it, it's about a part, a, a, a time of his life that he rarely seems to put into songs, you know, like his childhood. Yeah. Well, I think um, with my orphan year being, yes, present great in point. His mind, being present in his mind. And also this is, like I say, this is when he starts to look backwards. Mm, yeah. And I think that, that he says 2006 is the year that both his parents passed away and that's that that means that he started thinking about stuff so he was in his what 30s 40s then mm-hmm. and yeah so yeah 40s by this point so he's sort of an adult he's grown up he's like okay i'm pretty much halfway through my life as one you know would anticipate for a a, a wealthy westerner or admittedly one who does drugs and other potentially life-limiting activities, but all things considered. Um, And so rather than looking forward, he starts to look backwards because looking forward, there's less to look at than there is backwards. This is my armchair psycho babble, and I will and I will defend my right to to babble it. No, I, I think you're really onto something. I do think around the coaster, and I would say it's around coaster. Maybe a li- I think it kind of starts a little bit with pump up the valum, but um, I think you're completely right. I think it's kind of like almost the midpoint of their um, al- albums, anyway. And I yeah. think that you're right. I think moving forward, he's starting to look back. But if you look at his their earlier albums. <clears throat> I think he's very much focused on looking forward. There's a thing about sort of progressing. The sound changes more drastically. The sound is sort of pushing limits and stuff, whereas um, they're sounding more and more like a band from the 80s. And I think like... wise the stylistically, they're not using sort of super modern guitar tones. Yeah. They're using much more vintage. I don't want to say vintage, but, you know... uh, slightly closer to classic era you know 80s punk tones and stuff like that and i think that there's a bit of a shift in how they talk about punk rock because Mm -hmm. i think in their earlier albums they're very much talking about punk rock as it was happening you know like punk this this is punk rock and we are doing punk rock whereas around here and into their albums in the future i feel like they start talking about punk rock as something that happened once yeah. You know, this sort of like a looking back on punk rather than it being a a present and current thing. I mean, to give away the timeline, 
it was only yesterday as of day of recording that they released the uh mike's house demolition video for derby crashing your party yeah and talking about derby he talks about the germs in there pardon me uh gg allen is referenced Mm -hmm. in there there's a lot of talking about old mainly dead punk rockers and there's a feeling you get that sometimes mike thinks it would be easier if he was a dead punk rocker (laughs) (laughs) but do you know what i mean sometimes it's not one of those uh, gonna be careful careful how i word this um but when people talk about if you've, if you've ever had therapy and they always do a, a series of questions to make sure that you're not, you know, 10 minutes away from yeah. doing something irreversible. A lot of the time you sort of go, well, no, I'm not, I'm not thinking about doing anything irreversible. But were that to happen to me, just coincidentally, I don't know that I'd be that upset about the thought of it. And it's that kind yeah. of thing. He's sort of, it, it feels like there's, there's something like where at least if he was, well, one, he'd be mentioned in the same breath as those people that he holds up as being sort of interesting, worthy of note, like major people whose contributions to punk rock have been recognized. Yeah. And I think that sometimes because he's Fat Mike or Koki the Clown, just some, you know, get, goofy guy who's just always been there and it's like oh that that's just mike you know bad religion are considered geniuses because you Mm. know they've got a professor a literal professor singing their songs and they've got members of black flag in there and stuff like that it's like and no effects of just sort of might he might feel like they're considered also rans in a way because they're not considered the virtuosos that lagwagon are they're not they're not they don't have the sort of hardcore militant fan base that maybe a propaganda has or all these kind of things and they're sort of i don't know i'm projecting a lot here i'm not projecting but i'm 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 assuming a lot here i don't know does any of that even make any sense yeah no absolutely i i think i think yeah i think um that's quite that's quite interesting and uh you know, like I, I um, and you know, I don't know him personally, but I assume Mike's mental health is actually pretty good at the moment. Like he seems to be quite an accepting person, uh, which I think is um, vital to like a, a a very healthy mental health is to to be sort of like accepting of mm. of things. And and I do think that he's accepting of his old age, and I think mm. he's accepting of you know like um, no effects drawing a close to at least their like live performances. Mm. um he seems to have a very healthy view of it all and i think that's great because i think you know particularly around this point in their career i feel like it could have gone another way oh it absolutely could and i'm so happy that no effects are who they are now because I, i think that um you know that they could have just fucked it all up Oh, at any step uh, it could have gone, but I think he's, I think he's too. I think he can be quite singular in his um, area of concentration. Whatever he's doing will take his full attention. Yeah, uh, I also think that I, I under, as I understand it from interviews I've I've seen with him, he's spoken about how he's only been depressed 
once or something like that but basically mm. when when he was not he doesn't like suffer depression he's not someone yeah. who who has who has that um but he said that it was sort of notable when he was doing drugs when he wasn't on tour yeah that was because he was depressed and some of that was uh, i think some of it was to do with uh, his divorce his second divorce uh, from Soma Snake Oil, I think his musical got sort of derailed, and, mm-hmm. I think, like, and there was like obviously there was the bits of pandemic and and the cancellation of of No Effects when yeah. after all that stuff. So there's been these times, and he's like, I just didn't work it out. I was sad about it, and so what I did was I was doing. He was also doing um, like prescription like opioids. Uh, oh, okay. Fentanyl-y kind of things. I don't know. I don't know if it was that specifically, but the the ones which are arguably more dangerous than uh, than, than the recreational drugs, and and that was that was the point when he and so he's like right. So I, no, knowing that I was doing that, I was doing those drugs because I was depressed, and that was the problem. Doing drugs when I'm happy isn't. It doesn't exacerbate anything you know and this sort of you know this was when he was like well i only do drugs when i'm on tour and they tour very rarely so it was just a, a fun thing to do but i think it, i think it's sort of been penduluming between being okay and then doing drugs because he doesn't want to do the show or he wants to make the show less boring for himself and stuff like that so we're barely into Koki the Clown here, but yeah. So, um, but, but but I think uh, I think it is sort of a bit landmark for that reason, rather than musically. Yeah, although musically it's interesting, particularly yeah. the opening track. I think it has a, a strange time signature to it. Obviously, it's just like drifting between those two chords, but yeah, with like quite an unusual, um, you know, sa- like Sandin's drumming in the background feels mm. a little bit unusual. Um, got uh, got Melvin uh, singing on it as well, which is always nice. Yeah, a lot of Melvin vocals on today's episode. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll get to them. Don't you worry. Uh, but yeah, I like Straight Out of Massachusetts, and there's a, actually just a lovely video of him singing that with some weird puppet and his daughter. Sure, his daughter. He sat on a bed. There's a puppet. I think this puppet sort of. It's like a a kid's show and this puppet has musicians sing songs with him and so he's singing a cleaned up version of straight out of massachusetts <laughs> and his daughter's with him and she's very little she must be like four or five and she's like bouncing on the bed like pogoing and he's playing with a guitar and they're all singing along and it's uh it's very sweet that sounds lovely it is it is it's very very nice it's uh, that was the first time i heard straight out of massachusetts i was uh i didn't uh didn't realize that it was on this as well uh, I did, but not initially. Anyway, um, yeah, straight out of Massachusetts, a uh, a revelation that Mike is not a California native. But then, you know, who is? <laughs> uh, fermented and flailing is a sort of a social com- a social gripe about the U.S. I believe. Yeah, and I think this is one of the one. This is po- possibly the song that sounds most no effectsy on yeah. this EP like it just sounds like it could slot in anywhere really on quite a few of their albums I think that if this was an album track you wouldn't bat an eyelid it feels it 
it feels generic no effects and that yeah. sounds sounds dismissive but but i don't mean it that way it could it could have sat <clears> in on coaster probably the easiest out of all of these yeah i think you're right because uh, straight out of massachusetts is sort of palm muted quite clean power pop sort of thing which i do and i do like it i really like the the music and the sound of it it's sort of yeah, I don't know what. I, it, yeah, it reminds me of something. It's almost sort of new wave in a way. If you put keyboards on it and stuff, you could. Yeah. You could hear it being a bit. It's a little bit more Franco-American era of no effects. A little bit, yeah. Um, and uh, and also, I think Straight Out of Massachusetts is the only one that doesn't talk about booze or drugs in any way. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. But, that, but that's because he's singing about when he was five. So thankfully, it didn't involve booze or drugs. Um, that would have been sad. Uh, then Codependence Day. <sighs> Quite forgettable, that one for me, I've got to say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, there's obviously with this being an EP episode, you know, like these are the tracks that didn't make it onto Coaster. So like... That's true. The, the, yeah. They're like not... They're like uh, slightly not as good as album tracks on Coaster, you know, because there are a couple album tracks that, you know, you could give or take on Coaster. And these are considered not quite as good as them. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But their bad is still good. It's it's like, oh, do you like pizza? Yeah, well, here's more pizza. how it is isn't it you know and then the uh, uh acoustic version of my orphan year which might be the definitive version to my ears perhaps but um i also i think codependence day has a little bit of uh usa holes in it like it seems mm. i bet it's really hard to play live um oh, yeah, yeah. it's got a really good drive to it um yeah. it, but a little fine. bit forgettable it, yeah it's fine it's just not one that sort of it's not one that grabs as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh the artwork by the way for it is is magnificent. Yeah, who's done the artwork for Koki the Clown? It doesn't say on Wikipedia and that's all the research I'm willing to do. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. Um No, unclear. No. Because, you know, you don't know if it's actually a painting or if it's a photograph that someone has run through some software or, or what have you but uh yes uh for, oh i should point out we are skipping over the longest ep because that is a collection of previously released eps yeah and i believe we've covered most of that on previous episodes except for the pmrc can suck on this which is something they released in like 1984 or something um and uh yeah so that's koki the clown um not to be confused with the full-length album of the same name which is sort of a Fat Mike solo album, which we will get to because I think it's uh, relevant, but not that that was released maybe nine or ten years later. It's it's quite recent. Also, I do think um, you know both versions of My Orphan Year are great, like the version yes. on Coaster and the version on here. And it reminds me of You're Wrong, where the acoustic version's great and the live you know version's great as well, yeah. and like. It's really interesting that they can just transform that song into a beautiful acoustic number and like a, a really nice fast number. Like they, they work both. I, I, yeah. I, I struggle to even think of which one is better because they both do something unique. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I imagine it was written acoustic first. I think most yeah most songs are mm. yeah uh, for, for, for no effects maybe um, unless they're sort of riffier. I don't know, but this one's a lot more s- strummier and then made into a heavy song afterwards. That's my my theory. So yeah, so this one, um, this album peaked at thirty nine on the Billboard Independent Albums. That's interesting. Yeah, still don't really know what that is, but uh, well done them. So, so that was in two thousand and nine. In two thousand and ten, oh, they released a lot. They released the longest EP, like we said. They also released uh, the split, another one of their splits. Uh, notable for not being a covering each other's songs split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the Spits. Do you know about the Spits? I had no previous experiences with the Spits before listening to this. Mm. Uh, yep. Would I be correct in saying this is Ramon's core? Um, perhaps. But maybe I'm getting that more from the vocals rather than anything else. Like he just sounds very Joey Ramone. He does. Uh, I think they're just. I think it's sort of straightforward, down strumming power chords. Hmm. It's pretty Ramonesy. Uh, certainly these two. Anyway, I've not. I think I've heard another song by them. There was a Fat Records podcast that was being released around this time. Which Fat Mike hosted. I think there was about ten episodes they released, and um, with a guy called Floyd, who uh-huh. worked at Fat Wreck, and they played songs on it, and they interviewed people, and I remember them being uh, being quite quite entertaining. But they always had sort of good new upcoming Fat Record songs released on it, and. They and sometimes songs that they just wanted to play on it, and it was a they had there was a song by the Spits called uh, "Spit Me Out," and it was old school. And I think this again, the Spits sound like an old band. Yeah, they are. They they were founded in '93, and they're sort of Michigan uh, or Seattle by way of Michigan. So that's why they've got a slightly less California sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, still going today, by all accounts. Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they've released a fair few um, records. They've um, the last album they released was twenty twenty. They released. Uh, they released. Um, the Spitz number five, they just named their album's numbers. Spitz five, 2012. Spitz uh, six, 2020. <laughs> so not prolific, but uh, yeah, there you go. So we've got two songs on here. Hold It Back by No Effects, which I think is actually one of their very old songs. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes but, sense. But they've revisited for this. And Teenage Existentialist. Yeah, I, I prefer Teenage Existentialist. That's because it wasn't written in the 80s, <laughs> is my theory. Hold It Back, I Hold It Back has got vibe 
in spades. It's got beer bong vibes in spades. It, it, yeah. Um, yes, that's true. But it's, it's vibe over good for me. Uh, yeah, Teenage Existentialist is my favourite of the no effects ones on here. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll admit, like, this EP is probably my least favourite. No, it definitely is my least favourite of the three that we're talking about today. Same. Um, I don't... I'd love to know why no effects to choose, like, choose to do the splits that they do. Because, you know, obviously we, we've spoken about no effects' split with Rancid, and you're like, yeah. of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Brilliant. But then I'm kind of thinking, like, right, so when are you going to do, like, a split with... Bad Religion, where you're going to do a split with Lagwagon, Less Than Jake, I don't know. But then you end up getting, you know, like a split with The Spits and a split with Frank Turner. Both great artists, have nothing against them at all. But they just seem like odd choices. And I'd love to know what led to those choices. Well, certainly in the inlay for the Rancid split they did, Hmm. I think they were approached and someone said, do you want to do a split with Lagwagon? It was BYO Records, the the Youth Brigade. Yes. And Mike said, I think we're too sonically similar for that to be interesting. And I can kind of see the argument for that, but come on, bad religion? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, but well, I mean, yeah, Fat Mike would argue that, you know, they've been bad religion-y, you know, well, that's one of their main influences. Yeah, and and also um, Lagwagon have got a couple of old members of Rich Kids on LSD, which is one of the other massive influences on No Effects. So it might be that. Um, but th- might, there's so uh, many to choose from. I mean, come oh, on, yeah. against me, like I mean, sick yeah, of that, it all. Yeah, I think there's. I think there's. I think there are bands with less of a fat sound. The yeah. fat sound would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think it would be Blink One Eight Two. I think it. Would, <laughs> um, I think it would be. Uh, but yeah, so I think I don't know. I think Mike Mike gets little. He gets little sort of. Um, what's the word? He gets little sort of um, obsessions, and yeah. that is with particular bands. He was championing Randy. Uh, the Swedish band. Yeah, which we love. For, oh, absolutely adore Randy. For a couple of years, put out one of their albums, put out uh, Randy the Band, um, even though he much preferred the album they released, Not on Fat, which was Human Atom Bombs. I love both of those records. Um, and he appeared on one of their songs. He did guest vocals on a song called Beware. And he was just talking about Randy, 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 Randy. And I... I think if timings have been different, there could have been a no effects Randy split. Yeah, absolutely. It just so happened that it happened to be the spits. And then he heard the spits and went, I, I, I love this. This is, this is incredible. He was, you know, so I think that that's a part of it. And, and I think that, I think they, they have a sound that reminds him, this is a super nostalgic period of Mike's life. Cause yeah. The Koki the Clown content, the spits sounding the way they do, the fact that no effects are bringing back a song from a million years ago mm-hmm. cover, and then the EP, which we'll be talking about after this one, we are we've got a real rose tinted no effects. 
yeah, period right now. I have a little bit of a theory as well. I, I I think that following Coaster, there were some criticisms of, you know, the band sounding a little bit more, you know, mainstream than usual. I, I think that Coaster is one of their more palatable albums to like uh, uh, a mainstream audience. Yeah. And I think that these three EPs that we're talking about today is Mike trying to claw back his punk credentials by going like, oh, no, I, I am also still a fan of big, silly, loud, aggressive hardcore. Maybe. Um, I don't know if that would have been a conscious thing. Yeah. But it's it could have been. It, like I say, I don't know him. It's, it's entirely plausible. But I think... I think he was seeking refuge. I think that they just didn't want to appear as, oh, no effects have polished their sound now. I, th- I think they're kind of going like, oh, no, no, we still do th- we still do this and we're still very much interested in this and this is what we've come from. And um, Perhaps, yeah. You know, I like, don't... please don't expect us to just polish ourselves into you know, something less unique and interesting than we have been in the past. It could it could be that. There's also the the distinct possibility that they just that Mike seems to get bored quite easily. Mm. And I think that it's very possible that having done a sort of more accessible or more polished less you know less um rough thing for a while the pendulum just swung back yeah because you know i mean you know how it is doing something creative you know you see it a lot when um with a a comedian who's been doing a lot of stuff maybe political stuff or social stuff and Mm -hmm, they've been doing mm -hmm. that and then they go oh I don't want to keep on reading the news <laughs> yeah. every four minutes and then have to write a new four minutes on that four minutes just to keep up and then suddenly go, I'm going to tell stories about my family who are weird and, you know, and yeah. just go, Oh, thank fuck. You know, and, and enjoy themselves a bit more or just, you know, so it could be one of those as well because uh, you plow a creative furrow too deep and, it starts to feel quite oppressive. Yeah, like it could be a palate cleanser for themselves rather than for their audience. Like, yeah, um, no, that that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. So, but I mean, it could be a combination of all those things, and I, I also, I also think people only work out what those things were quite a while after. You can only see that in the rearview mirror. Yeah, when yeah, you're in the right, middle yeah. of it, you don't. It's very rare someone goes, "I have taken the decision." to do this and then set about it you just it generally just comes quite naturally i guess yeah so what did you reckon to the spitz songs we got wait and get our kicks you know i i will be honest like they kind of blend into one for me um (laughs) yeah they're um i don't know because i also i don't want to in any way um insult the spit look mu- music is subjective like this sure. isn't necessarily my jam but like i don't think that this lacks talent or I- intrigue like i i think they're clearly a very good band um 
Oh, I, didn't, just, I didn't hate it by any stretch. No, absolutely not. I didn't hate it. it, it I just struggled to like get into it because it, it it does to me, and this is just my opinion. It does. It feels derivative of you know earlier punk, and I struggle yeah. to hear a unique voice through it. Keep in mind, we don't have the nostalgia for the era of punk that the spits are sort of connecting to. Yeah. And, and also, and I think a big, big part of um, a big part of the struggle of bands like the spits is I bet they're amazing live. And I think oh, that yeah. they've probably got like a really great live show and mm. a great connection with their audience. But I don't think stuff like that always comes across on a record. And unfortunately, no all we have are these two songs and their raw kinetic energy, which they might display on stage. Like we unfortunately don't get that here. Absolutely. And also we've only got two songs of theirs. We don't really get a broader context of what this band is. It reminds me a lot of uh, a band called Ceremony who have like a little bit of a nostalgic sound, uh, you know, very clearly very like joy division influenced. Um, but uh, through the lens of a uh, Californian punk band. And I, I get elements of that, but, I, but what I'm missing is I, I, I feel like I can never quite hear what the, the spits sound like, or rather the spits sound like a lot of other things I've, I've heard before. Yeah, I, and it sounds shitty, and it, and, like, and like you say, all of the caveats of I don't know the spits. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm, I, I imagine they are probably really great live. They they stuck around for a while. Clearly, people are yeah. getting something out of it. All of that stuff. I'm basing this on two songs and the memory of a third one from over a decade ago. Hmm. Um, and it it just it it's just not. Not not what I'm here for, but that's okay. But, and, and if you're listening to the podcast and you are a fan of the Spits, please do yeah. get in touch and let us know like what we should listen to. Like if there's like, you know, we always talk about on this podcast, how would you get someone into no effects? Maybe there's an album or a song out there of the Spits that would um, would uh, pique our interest. Please let us know. Absolutely. Uh, I will just make a uh, one last point, uh, which is the front cover of the split ep oh, yeah. is uh the no effects logo and the spitz logo cut out of a white powder on a mirror with a razor blade lovely two very strong themes running through this episode um why isn't punk like it used to be and <laughs> <laughs> well that's um that's the spitz uh go and check them out i suppose because yeah. uh, you you never know. Just because we we didn't click with it doesn't mean you've not found your new favourite band as a result of this. Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash elite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show.
finally we enter 2011. Yeah. The only thing that no effects release in 2011 on the 2nd of August. Oh, it's just had its birthday not long. Is an EP called No Effects. Yeah, self-titled. Well, not the self-entitled mm-hmm. album. But no, that, that a... actually is the next thing they release. <laughs> yeah. Um, but rather just a self-titled uh, EP. And I and I do not think for a minute it's a uh, a coincidence that they released a self-titled EP and their next album is called Self-Entitled. Yeah. Definitely that is connected. But um, Yeah, they're having a little bit of fun there. They are, yep, absolutely. Uh, it is, um, well, let me see, what is it? Nine songs, one of which is an original No Effects song. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a cover of uh, hardcore songs from the 80s. Were you familiar with any of these songs before this album? I certainly wasn't, Red. I, I had think her- I'd heard Friend or Foe, but Oh, I might have heard that one, but I cannot I cannot guarantee it, so I'll say no. Yeah, me neither. So it's um it was it was just it was released on seven inch and twelve inch um picture discs, no difference in the track listing. Mm-hmm. Um they actually announced the idea in two thousand and nine before they released Coaster. Yeah. So and it was going to originally be a ten inch vinyl. He's obsessed with ten inch vinyls. It's like uh, bottles to the ground only do ten inch vinyl releases. Anyway. Um this one it feels like it's made the same way as the surfer and fuck the kids. Yeah. Method. They probably rehearsed them a bit more, but it seems to be everyone playing at once, four to the floor, sort of, they they flow into one another quite nicely, all that kind of thing. I imagine there's probably been like a little bit more fine tuning than those EPs just because they're covers and they've obviously got a standard to live up to. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Um, But yeah, there, there was apparently very little... There were no song titles or writing credits uh, on the album, and um, and so yeah, so we've got uh, covers by uh, covers from Agnostic Front, Agnostic Front, Necros. That'll teach me for saying Agnostic Front whilst looking at the word Necros. <laughs> Agnostic Front, Necros, Urban Waste, Social Unrest, Battalion of Saints, Sin Thirty Four, Rebel Truth, and Stretch Marks. And yeah. there's one original No Effects song called Race Riot, which, rather fun, El Jefe sings that one. Oh, does he? Yeah. I was trying to work that out. Yeah, it's quite funny because uh, he's the only member of No Effects who's not really a fan of hardcore. I was going to say, like, I'd love to know how much El Jefe enjoyed recording this album because it's not necessarily the music that he chooses to make. It's it's not, but I, I seem to recall from the book, he said that uh, he enjoyed the challenge of, of learning how to play punk rock guitar because the timings and the sort of strumming patterns and stuff are quite different to most other forms of music that he's familiar with. Hmm. Yeah. So it could have been that, but also, you know, better than working in an office. So <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that was it. But yeah, so... 
Um, what was your general impression of this? I think this is really interesting. I think the main standout element of this EP is that uh, Melvin sings basically all of the songs. Yes, he does. He uh, Or he, he does sings. vocals on all of the songs, but he, he yeah. he's lead vocals on most of them. Yes. Um, Mike sings on four of them. Yeah. I think some of them... I think he does lead vocals on the ones that he sings. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Um, although I think, I imagine when there are bits when they're all shouting, that's just all of them. You know? <laughs> uh, so that makes a, that makes some sense. But yeah, so it it is an interesting one. It is a very Mel-led thing, but he's got a better voice for hardcore, so... Yeah, I mean, like, they actually, I actually think they sound like a different band here. I think, Mm. I think it's interesting. I actually, and I I understand why, like, because obviously, like, you you wouldn't sell anywhere near as many records if you did what I'm about to suggest. But I would love them to have released this under a different name. And like, kind of pretend to be a different band, because they do sound entirely different with Melvin leading the vocals here. I think... I think people would have clocked the voice of Melvin and gone, is that? Oh, yeah. Is that side project or something? You know, the, the, the people would have been suspicious. Oh, yeah. But I, and I, I imagine, you know, it's obviously it's been released as no effects yeah. to, to sell the albums, because if you're going to call it something else, it's just not going to sell anywhere near the same uh, quantity. Yeah. But I wonder if that was ever floated as an idea. Yeah. To just sort of release it secretly. You remember when um, Green Day got a keyboard player and did, uh-huh. and the network? Well, I think they've done that a few times. I, one of my exes was a huge Green Day fan, and she had an album by like Foxtrot something, and that was like them doing like a bit more of like a rockabilly thing. Oh right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they've done that a few times. Um, and yeah, you know, other other bands have have done things uh, similar. Because what would have been cool, like they could have released the EP under a different name and then they could have toured this album <laughs> under a different <laughs> like name, doing like shitty little stuff. clubs or something. Yeah, I think they could have done that in the 90s. Mm, yeah. I think in the information age. I don't think uh, it would have lasted past that very first gig, maybe. Maybe well, they got away with it. I bet it would be like, um, do you remember when Stuart Lee performed as Bacon Face for an entire <laughs> run of the Edinburgh Fringe? Yes. Yes, I do. I didn't um, see it, but I think I was there that, that year. I've yeah. seen bits of it. I haven't seen it live. But for, for those of you who aren't aware, like Stuart Lee is a very big uh, UK comedian. He's known for being quite sort of like... Uh, you know, he's he's a thinking man's comedian. He's very, um, you know, you know, he's he's a very wordy uh, comedian, and he, he dissects <clears throat> the performance that he's giving while he's yes. doing it, and that is equally a part of the performance. It's way better than I just made it sound. <laughs> it's very subversive. But yeah. he, one year for the Edinburgh Fringe, he invented a Canadian comedian. Got a lot of like comedian friends of his to like oh yeah no whenever we're over in canada we love watching bacon face he's like you know the the, the pinnacle of like alternative comedy from like the 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 deep canadian comedy circuit 
Yeah, and and the idea that he saw it when he first went over to Canada in like the 1980s. Yes. This guy's just been plugging away and he wore like a um a Mexican wrestler's mask uh-huh. with with bacon just <laughs> attached to it, just raw bacon hanging down <laughs> over it. And his catchphrase was, It's all bacon. <laughs> and he'd do this sort of slow, monotonous, weird stuff. And Stuart Lee would be like, Well, no, this year I'm sort of I'm I'm I think it was I think part of it was because previously Eddie Izzard had like really bigged up Trevor Noah. Before Trevor Noah yeah. was this international superstar. He was obviously knocking around South Africa, doing all right down there. And Eddie Izzard took it upon herself to sort of become this ambassador, wanting to sort of really big up international com- comedians, people from because everyone knows, you know. I think her idea was everyone knows that, you know, the UK, North America, Australia, and yeah. New Zealand, like the English speaking Western world. Yeah. The global North. We know that comedy comes from there. But what about these other places? Oh, look, a South African, you know, um, mixed race heritage, all that kind of stuff. Oh, we need to be looking at people like this. And. Fuck me, I bet uh, Trevor sends her a Christmas card every year because um, it, it certainly helped out. Well, she, she supposedly that that funded have... like her run of, oh, sorry, his run of yeah. um, the the Edinburgh Fringe. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, put... it was it was out of her own pocket. Yeah, um, and because obviously flying to the opposite side of the world, <laughs> it's just due north until you you hit Edinburgh, basically from uh, South Africa. I'll I'll also be like uh, completely honest. I actually saw Trevor Noah perform during that run. I went to oh, see wow. his show, and I thought it was terrible. Oh, I really? thought he had two good jokes in his set, and they were wow. both jokes I had heard before. And one of them, like he even did the. You know the famous joke that Phil Linnett said in an interview once? What what does it feel like to be black and Irish? Yeah. It's like a pint of Guinness. Yeah, yeah. That actually appeared in his show, and he passed it off as if it was his own joke, and it was like yeah. the biggest laugh of the show. And I was just sat there like, this man is a charlatan and a liar. <laughs> wow. Wow, I didn't know that. But... <laughs> The reason we went on that tangent there is because I think Stuart Lee saw that and thought, and probably thought, why on earth would you do that with a real comedian? That's not funny. Yeah. Do it with a pretend one. And yeah. so I, I've only just put that together, actually. I thought that the timelines probably do work out there. Yeah, I think you might be onto something, actually. So, uh, so, and I think also, yeah, Stuart Lee did it, but I think also there were rumours that other people were also playing bacon face on occasion so that Stuart Lee could be seen in the same room as him. But <laughs> some, someone said that Munnery, Simon Munnery and also Richard Herring had done the routine <laughs> or had like appeared as a spot, like done spots somewhere so Stuart Lee could be in the same room and people were like, no, it's not Stuart Lee, actually. It's not. Even though it, it wow, clearly that Wow, that's clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was that sort of Andy Kaufman um, thing. That that character he played, the um, like the the talent agent guy. Anyway, yes, um, but yes, I think a uh, a a a not FX band would have been um, kind of fun, but 
I think this is partially a love letter to the hardcore stuff that uh, Mike really loves and also a sort of a little flag in the ground saying we are we are a hardcore band just because hardcore's been a term stolen by heavy metal mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're not still a hardcore punk band because we're fast we're they're you know a melodic hardcore band but before that there was hardcore yeah and i i have to say whilst i like a lot of these songs and some of the bands that um i like battalion of saints quite a lot um and i've heard some necro stuff that i enjoy for me this era of punk is not my favorite and once it becomes sort of melodic hardcore that's when i start to get quite excited by it yeah i i I agree Um, and that's just me if if this if this is your shit or if the bands that they're covering are your shit i'd totally get it because there is something there but i think without i think these are bands where you kind of fall in love with them live and you buy the records because they don't play every day (laughs) if does that make sense yeah absolutely no yeah yeah, because yeah, I think that there are some bands where you you buy the record and you go, they've not captured it. They've not. The lightning is still out of the bottle. But this is this is reminding me of that band that I saw. And yeah, and now it seems that bands sort of maybe play a bit less. You don't fall in love with them live in the same way that you do these days. Maybe I think, and also because every bedroom guitarist has got the capacity to record their own album you know without putting their pants on means that uh you know people are putting out full albums before they've done nine gigs you know it's very true know. i'm sat i'm I, my, my hand formed a fist and i was looking for a cloud to shake it at but uh, i'm not gonna <laughs> because record your music make it do what you need to do but i think that there is a certain era of music where you don't you don't look you know sometimes when you're listening to something new and you go oh my god this is incredible and you sort of look directly at the speaker yeah that it's coming out of i don't know that i think that this is where you look at the stage rather <laughs> than the speaker maybe i could be i could be utterly wrong i'm gonna be are, told i'm wrong are there any standout moments for you on here no more lies by battalion of saints yeah, it's got a great intro riff. Yes, I think that's possibly why I think there is some, what we like to call, variety. <laughs> yeah. That one I like a lot. Um, I think Race Riot fits in beautifully. Yeah, it does. It does. And it wouldn't be out of place on um, uh, liberal animation. No, certainly not, no. Um, uh, IQ32 and Police Brutality I like a lot. Yeah, I like Friend or Foe. Yeah, um, I th- low point for it. Like I, I didn't really. I thought say we suck wasn't great, mm. and there's something like when it kicks in, it's actually quite similar um, to parts of Race Riot, but a lot slower. Yeah, <laughs> and it almost feels like Race Riot because it's such a short song as well. It's they've just gone into like a bit of a breakdown in the middle of the song. Mm. <laughs> Sin 34, though, notable for having a female singer. Cool. 
Yep. I nearly said female fronted, but uh, I can't remember who said it, but uh, the uh, phrase female fronted is not a genre uh, bumped <laughs> into my head. So I start, I, I try not to say female fronted anymore because um doesn't tell you anything. But uh, yeah, so yeah. there you go. But I, I, again, I've done, I've done very little research on the rest of these, um, on, on, on these bands. So because if you contextualize it too much, it stops being a no effects release if you like. Also, um, so, you know, at the start of Police Brutality, I think Melvin says, like, police. (laughs) Um, Isn't there... There's another No Effect song, right, which starts with someone saying... Police! Right? Yeah. Which song is that? It's on Slat Fats. Time Telling Tim. Oh, is it? Yeah. And but does he actually say police on the album version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sure. I must have just because I, I felt like it, it's a thing that's always been in my head. Like every now and then, I'll just say it to myself, "Police." Yeah. I don't know why. It's just I, I find it fun to say. Yeah. But then I was thinking the other day, I was like, I actually don't know what song that's from. Yeah. So I'm telling Tim. Ah, okay. Um, because he says something like. But I think he might be saying punk police. Oh, okay. But I think the punk is sort of because he's sort of oh, police. There's this police. little noise beforehand. <laughs> it's a bit like you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the beginning of like a prayer where Madonna just goes, God. <laughs> it's such an unnatural way to say that word. Well, Melvin is punk's Madonna. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not here to state the fucking obvious, Red. Um, <laughs> he is the material girl of our dreams. Um, yeah, so that's my... If Madonna... You know like how Madonna reinvents herself? Oh, Imagine yeah. if every time she reinvented herself, she was still wearing no shirt and had dreadlocks. That's, <laughs> that, that's Melvin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, reinvention. Sometimes, you know, long trousers. Red. Yeah. But yeah. hair getting slowly grayer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think and occasionally it's, blue. Yeah, it's a strong look. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well, I, I I don't think No Effects was one of the bands Madonna approached during the uh, during the the heyday of punk rock because she she was trying to sign punk bands. Oh really? Yeah, she tried to sign Rancid. She sent them. Um, she took Rancid out to lunch. What? It was when like Green Day and Offspring were doing super well and uh, Rancid were like, yeah, we'll have lunch. Um, she sent, uh, she sent I, them. I want to know everything about this. I want to know where they had lunch. I want yeah. to know what Matty Freeman ordered. I, yeah. I need to know everything about that. I imagine Matt Freeman sort of looked at the menu and just went, steak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I like to think that. It's, um, he is like one of the Muppets, isn't he? He's he's got uh, he, he is, but so wonderfully. Is uh, if he turned out, imagine how different Electric Mayhem would be if he was on the bass. I, I've just decided I, I need to see Rancid as Muppets. I think they've all got Muppet-like qualities. Oh well, uh, there's uh, there's the Fat Mike Muppets from the uh, A Fat Wreck documentary. Oh, great. Yeah, on the the documentary, A Fat Wreck, made by an Australian filmmaker. I've, I've seen it. I, yeah. In fact, I saw it at um, Manchester Punk Festival a couple of years ago. 
Uh, but I don't, I don't remember the puppet, unfortunately. There are some sequences where um, they use a Fat Mike Muppet puppet to illustrate some of the uh, some of the longer interview bits. It's good. it's great. I would recommend that to anyone who hasn't seen it. The Fat Wreck documentary is fantastic. We, we may well we may well look at that as a, as a yes. bonus episode or something like that. There are some things that are sort of tangential to no effects that we will probably look at at some point, including things like Home Street Home, uh, the musical and stuff like that. They're not no effects projects, but they are directly related to no effects. So, so we'll have a look at those. Um, well, where was I going? Oh yeah. So um, yeah, Madonna was looking to sign lots of labels were looking to sign punk leaning rock bands after green day and offspring and all that stuff. Apparently she sent uh, rancid some proofs from her sex book. Um, so basically <laughs> sent them nudes in the hope that they'd sign. <laughs> yep. I like, I want to accuse you of making all of this up. I know. It's, but I know I can't. No, no. It's um it it does sound but the, I kept on remembering details and then going Why am I lying to rat? I'm not lying though. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is all out there. I think I think uh Lars Fredrickson spoke about it a couple of times in an interview and stuff. That's but crazy. But like most like most things if a if a band whatever band you were if you got a message you saying Madonna wants to take you to lunch, you go, yeah, go on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, like, why? What? Absolutely. Okay. Does she know? Did, does she know who we are? Did Did she say that? Maybe she just really wanted to cover "Fall Back Down." Oh, this was this was pre "Fall Back Down." Yeah, imagine that. Madonna could have got all those juicy pink songs, but uh, instead, <laughs> we'll never get Madonna's version of "Trouble." <laughs> so there you go um she could have had the most recent bonk bonk release as one of hers i want her to do arrested in shanghai <laughs> <laughs> she bloody well would be mate um <laughs> yeah that'll be good um i uh yeah i think madonna's uh madonna's dance mix of rats in the halls that would be uh that <laughs> really something um wow so Anyway, no effects. The EP. Um, got to admit, it sort of washed over me the first few times. So the more I've listened to it, the more I uh, I have been enjoying it. But yeah, no, I I think it's good. Like I I do think it, it offers something. Um, mm. Like I know we we've said this a lot about no effects, but one of the things like the joys of no effects, and I think the reason why they've been going around for so long and they have the legacy that they have, is because they are willing to. Um, just completely you know u-turn on what they're currently doing with their sound and just look at something completely different i mean yeah. like i'm thinking you know, like suddenly coming out with the decline which is an 18 minute song you know like they they, yeah. they love to break the formula and do something unexpected and they've certainly done that here yeah. and you know yeah if you are if you are a, a, a no effects fan there's something here for you if you're if you're a if you're interested in in, in deep dives into the band and, and what they're capable of even on the fringes of what their creativity comes up with i think this is good it's worth a listen absolutely um because i don't i totally understand if this is one that's passed you by yeah i think they did it on purpose to pass people by yeah because it was only available on vinyl for ages 
mm-hmm. and then I think you can get it digital. I think you can get everything digitally now, but you know, I think they like that scarcity, that rarity, because it's exciting for them as likes vinyl. Um, what you were saying about left turns and stuff, their Frank Turner split was released while they were working on single and double, double, double album. <laughs> wow, like, just, really? They, they just they they put those two on pause to do the Frank Turner split. They work hard for for aging punks, don't they? Yeah, and also if you listen to the Frank Turner, um, the, the No Effects songs on the Frank Turner split. They do not sound like single and double album. They no, sound yeah. like a much earlier No Effects. Mm. So I don't know if that was the sort of, but it meant that it pushed back single and dub- double album by like a year, easy, right? Because they just didn't want to just keep on releasing stuff. Because presumably, when you release stuff, you've got to promote it, and you can't dump all that money at once. You've got to spread it out. Yeah, but um, yeah, very very strange. Um, but yeah, I think this is a part of it. I think is a love letter. Mm-hmm. Part of it's like you know, it's a tip of the hat. It's showing showing some respect to the OGs. Some of it is we are a hardcore band. Don't forget that. Yeah, and some of it is um, how much is this going to piss off the people who say. Why don't you release a fast album again? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? But yeah. Because, because as we know, fans are entitled, self-entitled. Fans are very entitled people. Um, you've only got to, I mean, Neil Gaiman wrote a, an essay about George R.R. R. Martin, saying George R.R. R. Martin is not your bitch. Because <laughs> loads of people are going, why are you writing new new song of ice and fire george he's like well, he doesn't have to no he doesn't you know he really doesn't it'd be great if he didn't no uh, but you know it's uh, he, he he doesn't have to no one no one owes you know people are going no we've supported you all the way well you bought the books that he's released you paid the money you got the book that was the deal that was the you know that's the uh interaction over with it's not like he did a Kickstarter and went, right, I will write the next book when I've got five million on Kickstarter and then just didn't do it. <laughs> you, you know, it'll it'll do, you know. And I and I think there is a certain entitlement from people who sort of go, Well, I think you should release slap fats style albums again. You should release white trash style albums again. And it's like if you if you if you get bands who do that, everything starts to sound the same and a bit shit. If you get bands who are releasing any artist who's doing what they actually want to do, it'll be much more worthwhile listening to than if it's shit they feel they should, or all the rest of it. So, yeah, no, I think you're really onto something there, and I, I think it's clever, really, because as we mentioned earlier, no effects at this point are kind of like looking back on what they've yeah. done in the past, but they aren't doing the easy thing on looking back at well, what was our most popular thing that we did in the 90s or whatever? Let's just recreate that. They're actually looking further back at stuff that isn't as popular. And they're like, well, let's do that. Let's do our early hardcore days again. And yeah. I think that's an interesting choice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think this is, it's also sort of, I mean, if they actually put the list on there, it reads like a list of recommendations of bands to get into. Yeah. But it also doesn't do the work for you. It, it, it makes you do the work 
like you used to have to. Mm, yeah. It's like being given an unlabeled cassette that someone taped for you and going, what's that song that starts, da, 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 da. you know, you, you want to know, don't you? It's like they've not written out the track listing for you. And I think I think it's it's almost like, you know how uh, these days people go, uh, don't buy people things for their birthday, buy them an experience. Yeah. This, if you're being very generous, could be considered one of those. This is like no effects giving you a blank tape or an unlabeled tape and going, these songs are ace. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. So that's what I, I think this is what it is at heart. Absolutely. And once again, if you have any uh, particular experiences of this album or mm. any recommendations from the, the, the bands that are covered here, please do get in touch with us. Um, oh, yes. Podcast at gmail.com. Or maybe if you've just not heard this at all as well, like because I, f- I imagine this is one that a lot of people would have would have missed out. Will have gone. I'll maybe get to that one later. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, and and also it was the only thing they released in two thousand and eleven. Mm. So if you were jonesing for for some no effects, you literally got fifty seconds of new no effects. <laughs> yeah, of course. Which is um, which is pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think that's 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 a pretty interesting selection, and I think it is one of like we've said. I think this is where the nostalgia and the drugs meet one another, head on. Mm. And it's very interesting because, in a way, when you talk about no effects as of the time of recording. The drug use present in NoFX's history, which for a long time was very was nothing to do with Mike, yeah, is far less tragic than with many other bands. Yeah, in the you know Smelly has been sober since ninety two, doing you know he spent more of his life sober than not, which is you know, super good. And he seems to be doing grand with it. You know, it's all good fun. Everyone's having a nice time. Mike is finding his way with it, working it all out. Mm -hmm. And I think he's also smart enough or not smart, emotionally intelligent, maybe enough to notice where things are going wrong and he also sought some help and people looked out for him so you know great he's also lucky in that he's in the financial position where he can get himself sorted out should anything you know be uh be heading in a downward spiral so you know uh but yeah but i think this is a this is mike with a pair of very very thick rose tinted spectacles on looking backwards absolutely uh, no, I, compl- I completely agree. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. Again, no, it find, we, finds a balance. It's just an EP, isn't it? You know, like they and they do this all the time. Well, I mean, I mean, the last three. Oh, good point. The, yeah. the, these the the last three that we've been talking sort of writ large, but but again, that's just how it goes, I suppose. 
I'm really looking forward to the next one because I mm. I haven't listened to Self Entitled all the way through before. I oh wow, that'll be handy. Uh, I have I I make little playlists of the uh, albums we're going to do on my phone. Uh huh. And uh, I think I've mentioned it before. I listen to them when I'm running. Um, I actually had to put Self Entitled onto the end of this playlist because uh, it, I got through it too quickly before <laughs> the end of the run. And I'm, I'm not listening to it on repeat because that'll just really bother me. So, so uh, I have listened to uh, half of Self Entitled uh, today as well before uh, before this. So um, I'm well, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Let, let's hold our. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just saying I'm, I'm looking forward to the record on that Great. one because. Uh, and also, I think to get stuck into a full album again. Yes, we've had a couple of EPE type ones recently, and and to look at a whole twelve songs uh, specifically designed to go with one another is pretty good. I would say that self entitled is the start of the, of NoFX's late period. You know, you've got I agree yes. self entitled first ditch effort single double album. I feel like this is almost the swan song era of NoFX is at least their live days. Well, yeah, well, it's um, it was released on September the 11th, of course it was, 2012. So it's 10 years old, 11 years old. Oh, wow. So it's about 11 years old. And so that means we've got the last 10 years of their 40 years. So, yeah, I'd say that that's, that's the winter, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thank you very much, Red. We should probably bounce out into the outro, shouldn't we? Let's. We'll see you there. <laughs> Told you we'd see you on the outro. Here we are. Hello. Well, that was that was three slabs of no effects for the price of one. Yeah, it's something for like you know uh, the more um, seasoned no effects veterans. The the, the completest that we yes. have in all of us. Mm. How complete do you want to be? Hmm. so yes no um pretty pretty good really uh no correspondence this week uh not complaining that's absolutely fine but if you want to send us some correspondent what well, didn't i see someone someone was annoyed that you uh oh you were mean to their favorite song on oh Coaster. no you're right i do you know what it's because that all happened in uh i was looking through messages this happened in the comments section Have so we released uh, coaster by the time this episode will be out Eh? Oh, we must have done. Because they were talking week, about mate. it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's nice nice to see you've been keeping up. Um, uh, yes, Highline69, um, who uh, whose favourite song is uh, Creeping Out Sarah. No way! Yeah. we no, that's, that's really cool. We found yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, you found one, yeah. Is he the reason why they keep playing it live? Maybe, maybe he's got. <laughs> maybe Highline is just that holds that much sway wow. over no effects. Just drops it in, yeah. So, um, yeah, a few days ago, um, uh, but I mean, the thing is, I've been, I've been pointed out here. I've been, I've been, I've been called you, out. You have been singled out there. Ha ha! Eddie really does hate my favourite song. <laughs> And then a love heart, as if that's going to get you anywhere. I replied, I don't recall Red liking it either. And then, and, and then Highline apparently knows you, Red. 
Oh, okay. Nah, Red knows it's a masterpiece, all in capitals, but is just too nice to admit it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> I replied, it's barely even a mantelpiece, but you enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That, that's really cool. Yes. Um, what an interesting song to be your favourite song on the album. It, it's... Uh... It, it's what we wanted, isn't it? <laughs> okay, uh, um, on a previous post about it, this was a post in the run-up to it saying, oh, on, um, you know, tomorrow we're going to be talking about this. And Highline said, uh, ooh, anticipation grows. Will the guys be nice to my favourite song? Uh, I said, I think you're fully aware of our, deni- our dynamic regarding your favourite song's works now. <laughs> so... <laughs> So no, no, we didn't. But uh, bless your heart, Highline sixty nine. Um, we uh, we will always tell you. We will always be very honest about how we feel about certain things. Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, creeping out, Sarah is not in, exempt from that. No one's favorite <laughs> song is exempt. I mean, I had to sit through uh, Liam talking smack about Laurie Myers, and um, yeah, you know that's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you've just got to accept that people are going to feel differently. But there you go. So, yes, there was some... Uh, thank you for reminding me of that, Red. I'd Because uh, I, 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 before we do these shows, I do sort of go, right, I'll just get that email open. I'll get that thing open, ready and all stuff. <laughs> and, um, and it was in comments. That's why I completely forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So never mind. Well, we'll be back next time. Uh, we'll be moving... Uh, as we're doing all the way up to Christmas, we're just doing uh, doing the reviews. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I forget which one it is. Coaster, it'll be it'll be self entitled. Oh wow! Yeah. Get so ready. hold on to your hats. Self entitled, then single album, then double album. No, you're missing first ditch effort. Oh, I am. How yes. dare I? I know. And uh, West Coast Wessex, of course. So we've got we've got way more stuff coming up. So that should see you comfortably through to the festive season. Um, but until then, we'll bid you adieu. Uh, Punkrockeletespodcast.gmail.com if you've got anything to say. Uh, thanks so much, Red. Thank you, Eddie. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribed to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.